Hi, everyone, and welcome to Author Pep Talks. I'm your host, Lakin Zay Kemp, and today I'm interviewing Alicia Dow, author of The Sound of Stars and The Kindred. Alicia Dow is a former pastry chef and librarian. When not writing, you can find her having epic dance parties with her daughter, baking, reading, or traveling. Today, we're talking about the journey of self-discovery that coincides with becoming a published author, learning to adjust your expectations in a way that prioritizes your own physical and mental health, and the importance of safeguarding the things that made you fall in love with writing in the first place. If you struggle with comparison, self-doubt, and just feeling like your dreams aren't coming true fast enough, I know you'll be encouraged by Alicia's reminders to slow down, take stock, and redefine success for yourself. So settle in wherever's comfortable and enjoy my conversation with Alicia Dow. How are you doing? <laughs> I, <laughs> that's always like a, uh, an intent, like, you know, it's not a huge question, but it is a huge answer usually. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm okay. <laughs> I, I traveled last week for the first time after two and a half years of going nowhere and it was good, but then I think I got the lows of traveling. You know what I mean? Like when you go somewhere and you're like, this is great, this is great. And then you are on your way back and you're like, oh no. I have nothing to look forward to. I don't know where this comes from, but then for like two to three days, I'm just kind of not feeling it. And I'm fine now. I got over it, but that's where I'm at. I'm trying to get back to, you know, positivity and getting things done. That is so interesting that you say that because I feel like I have a habit of sometimes avoiding experiences that I know I'm going to enjoy because I don't want to experience the sort of like downward feeling after it's over. My depression is 100% physical. It's not invasive thoughts. It's not really mood-based at all. It's just, it's, it's a physical sensation. And I get that feeling after parties. Like even if I had a good time, I come home and I just feel awful. When I go on vacation, I come home and I feel just physically down. So it's so interesting to hear you describe it like that, because when I've tried to describe it to people, usually they don't really understand what I'm talking about. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I think for me, it's the same. I can have a great time meeting with someone and socializing with them. And then like the next few hours and sometimes days, I will go over everything and I will be so low from the whole experience that I will be like, no, I can't ever do that again. (laughs) Like I can never talk to anybody ever again. And, you know, for me, I have bipolar disorder, polar two, and I mostly stay in a depressive state, but every once in a while, and sometimes it's like once every two weeks or sometimes, you know, more, sometimes less. I go into like a hypomania where I'm very focused, very energetic and all over the place. I'm talking faster. I'm waving my hands around, but mostly I'm in the depressive state. So my depressive state is basically (laughs) similar to yours, but also the intrusive thoughts, this mental loop, the same terrible things keep repeating in your head over and over and over and over again. And you know what triggers it. And yet sometimes you cannot stop it. So for me, that's basically my, (laughs) my daily life is just Uh, waking up and going to battle depression. I think there are moments where I'm like, okay, I'm not fighting too hard right now. That's nice. But I have a lot of moments where I am fighting really hard and it's ongoing 
and I think I'm winning from time to time, <laughs> but mostly it's just that I've accepted that this is how it is and I have to find my way with it and through it. How do you navigate sort of that ebb and flow when you're uh, also trying to maintain a creative practice? Like what does creative expression look like during the high times, during the down times? For anybody who has like mental struggles, mental illness, you tend to be a lot more introspective about it. And you tend to think about, okay, what can I do today to make sure that I am healthy, that I am happy-ish, and then I can, you know, put my best foot forward. And I think that comes with a lot of thoughts of, you know, making sure you're on track, making sure you know what triggers you and what causes you to, to go on a mental loop or go through an anxiety period. So it's balancing that, thinking about it, being very conscientious, and then hunkering down and doing what you do. I can't ever really put it aside, but I can find joy in telling a story. And I think when I was younger, I used to enjoy consuming media because it felt like escapism. And now I am an adult and <laughs> I'm an author and um, I find escapism through writing. So that's been really helpful for me is that I get to explore new worlds and do new things by just writing it down. And, you know, not every day is a success. Not every day I get something down on the page, but it gives me something to think about and it gives me something to look forward to. And I find that if I look forward to something, I don't feel like I'm, you know, in the middle of the ocean, not sure what to hold on to. Yeah, it reminds me of some earlier conversations I've had with people. And I, I bring up this metaphor often just of writing as a hopeful act. And because it takes such a long time to finish a book, to take it from first draft through all those stages of revisions to going on sub, selling it, the book coming out and people being able to consume it, like that's such a long process. And there are so many little milestones along the way that we get to look forward to. And I, I have also found that really helpful. But do you also feel like there are some aspects of writing professionally or writing for publication that can exacerbate someone's mental health issues? And if so, what boundaries do you think writers should put in place in order to help mitigate those negative effects? I think publishing as a whole is really so unhappy from time to time. When you think about it, you're putting your heart into your work. You're putting that work out into the world, hoping people will want it, will buy it, will read it. And a lot of that you have no control over. And if you are someone who is any kind of negativity is uh, triggered by a lack of control, then publishing will feel like it is really rough some days. For me, there's this pressure to be online, to be outspoken and be bubbly and all of these things in order to sell a book. And that is not good health for me. And I don't think a lot of people are great at it and enjoy it as much as people want them to. I think publishing wants you to, you know, be out there to be really like, buy my books. And for anyone who has struggles with just like getting up in the morning and doing anything, that can feel like a lot. What I found the boundaries were is that I can step back anytime. I tell myself that like, this is a choice I made and I can always make another. And it helps me to know that if I don't want to be online, like this last week, I did not want to be online. I didn't want to do anything. I blocked Twitter and it has helped me a lot because I was feeling super low and I made that choice and I can do that. Finding when you can take your breaks, when you can take your steps back and knowing how you want to be treated and how you want to treat others and knowing that, you know, there are a lot of things that are out of your control. You can put all your effort in the world into promoting your books 
into getting onto panels and all of these things. But in the end, it doesn't always work. It's just not completely in your control. All you can do is write the books that make you happy and you can tell people about it. And hopefully that's enough, but I'm still navigating it. I'm learning where I need to step aside and what I can do and when I can do it. It's a learning process. With my first two books out now, I realized I don't need to rush things. I can slow down. I can appreciate what I've done and I can take steps back. And I think you really have to refill the well and you have to stop guilting yourself into thinking this is what you need to do. You need to do, 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 do. That doesn't always work. You just need to take care of yourself. And that's how you do your best. Do you feel like your agent or your editor and other people at your publisher have been accommodating when you've tried to set those boundaries? You know, I've never actually had a conversation with any of my team about this. I think they know it because I'm very vocal about my struggles and what I'm dealing with online. And so they get a glimpse of that. It's really amazing. Like my agent has adapted to understanding how I take in information and I, how I don't like to be completely overwhelmed by things. And she's kind of adapted without me ever talking to her about it. But when it comes to like my editors and my, my team at Inkyard right now and my team elsewhere, I don't know. I think it's mostly me and I just handle things on my end and let them do things on their own like you said, there are certain things that we have control over and it's important to take advantage of those times when we can make choices for ourselves. But there are other times when we just have obligations to the publisher, to our book. But I'm starting to learn that publishers, they're not used to giving accommodations. And it's interesting because I come from public education. And so I know what accommodations look like in the classroom. I know what advocating for yourself looks like in that type of environment. I've advocated on behalf of students who needed certain things. And so to be doing it for myself as an adult in an industry that is not really designed for people who need accommodations, it's just been really eye-opening. And I anticipate a lot of work trying to make things better for people. I think having a great agent helped. If you're not comfortable approaching your publisher about what you need accommodating, it's great that you have an agent who can do that. And I hope that people know that when you are going to select an agent, that that is something you need to consider too. That on every level, you have to have somebody who is understanding what you need and are willing to do it for you and willing to take care of that for you. And that's not easy. The first step is having an agent who will. That was something that was definitely not on my list when I was first looking for agents. I didn't even think about how, you know, my mental health was going to impact not just my ability to write, but like my ability to, to travel, to do all of the promotional things related to my book. Mm -hmm. And so I'm discovering these things along the way, like, okay, this makes me uncomfortable. I can't physically or mentally do this. And so now I see, like you're saying, the benefit of having an agent who can advocate on my behalf. And I think that's good advice to give aspiring authors. If you know that you have physical and mental health issues that might require accommodations in some aspect of the either creative process or the production process or the promotional process of your book, that you need to make sure you have an agent who is willing to and really deeply cares about getting you what you need. So you recently co-wrote a book with a friend of yours and 
I was wondering if writing in partnership with someone else made the experience easier, more enjoyable, more motivating. I mean, it's got to be nice sharing that burden with someone and being able to like call or text them when you're stuck. It's an absolute blast. Tracy Badua and I have worked together as CPs since 2000, I want to say 16, 17, 2016, maybe. It's been a long time. We totally understand each other's styles. We are able to brainstorm together and have a lot of fun together. So writing a book felt very natural and it did feel easier, I think, because we knew what we were doing and we had so much fun doing it. And I would read her chapter after she wrote it and I'd be like, ah, I'm going to do next. And then I would go and she would go and it just was so much fun. And we stayed on task and it was a fast, fun experience that was just, I don't know how else to explain it. It was probably the, the most fun I've had writing because it felt like, you know, I'm reading at the same time as writing. It's like getting to find out half the story from somebody else and you're writing it. It's just like a total collaboration that I definitely recommend if you have somebody to try it out if you, you know, want to try something new and maybe that's going to help you unlock something you didn't know was locked before. And the way you describe it, it sounds like it would even just be a good exercise for someone to do, not necessarily for the purpose of writing for publication, but I've talked to other writers a lot about rediscovering the joy in writing because there there are periods sometimes when we do feel a little discouraged we do feel a sense of apathy about our work especially once it becomes work once we start becoming traditionally published and so this sounds like something that if you had a cp or like a beta reader or just someone in your life who you enjoy their company like tell each other a story and just trade chapters back and forth and see if you can sort of reignite that spark Exactly that. You totally understand what I'm saying. It's like, (laughs) if you have ever been stuck and you get discouraged and you feel like, well, I don't know what I'm doing. I think just having fun with writing is a great way to enjoy it again and find your way through something again. I would totally recommend it just just for fun. Maybe later on you might pursue publication for it, but I think it's, it's such a great exercise and it really taught me a lot about my own writing style. And how I like to do things, how she likes to do things, and how we complement each other. I want to shift gears just a little bit. I have been drooling over your Instagram photos for years. <laughs> what do you think it is about baking that makes it a safe place to turn to? And what advice do you have for writers who might be looking for another creative outlet like you have? I've been baking most of my life. And then I went to baking and pastry arts school and got my four-year degree in it. And then I realized as I was, you know, in my early twenties, that that is really hard to work in that industry, especially if you have disability. It requires a lot of movement and action on your body that isn't always the healthiest. So I'm glad that I'm not in that industry right now. I love being able to bake for myself and for others. I haven't gone back into the industry in the sense that I wanted to make money off of it, but I would love to write a cookbook one day. I think the joy of baking is that if you are like me and you know how long it can take to write a book and see the results of it, when you bake something, you will see the results of it fairly sooner. And the little successes feel like huge successes, especially if they are delicious. And that's huge because, you know, you don't know your success as a writer. You might not know it for a long time, but with baking, if you make the right cookies just the right way and they're extraordinary, that's a huge success that only took like two hours. So I think that's great. It's also just nice to use your hands and just kind of let yourself go a little bit in that. Baking is a little more precise than culinary arts, which is 
more artistic, but you follow the formula and you just have fun with it. And I think it's just like an absolute joy. It's very therapeutic for me. And I think that's because I'm able to control what's happening there. I know why things work and why things don't work. And I think that really helps me feel like this is a safe place. Whereas outside of that, and especially in writing, you don't control so, so much. You can control the story, you can write the story, but after that, it becomes a whole process where you don't feel like you're necessarily the number one input anymore. It's You've got other input you have to deal with and you wanna make sure that everybody's gonna love it. There's a lot of pressure. And what you said about, not that it's instant gratification, but it's it's certainly not as delayed as it is with publishing. <laughs> yes. That is how I felt when I first started writing picture books. I was like, wow, I can crank out a first draft in like a week and, and revise it in a couple more. And like compare that to the six to eight months it takes me to write a first draft. Yeah. Compare that to the months afterwards when you're revising with your agent or editor. Being able to give yourself closure on something, being able to finish something, being able to enjoy something that you've created without having to wait years to do it. I think that's really important to have creative outlets in your life that work that way. I think that's how you make the longer work sustainable. It's also a great time to think if I'm working on a book and I have found myself in a, you know, in a place where I can't continue and I'm not sure what I'm going to do next. If I go into the kitchen and I just start a project, if I start making bread or something, I am giving myself a chance to switch off a little bit of the book and problem solve in a totally different way. And a lot of times I find solutions to my issues writing while doing something else and especially baking. I've heard a lot of people say that talk about getting ideas in the shower. Personally, I go on really long walks. So things that are sort of like simple and meditative that, like you said, can turn off the parts of your brain that are firing on all cylinders when you're writing, which is a really you know difficult cognitive task. I think it'd be really helpful too. Do you have any practical tips for authors trying to write while also navigating mental health issues? I've seen you tweet your love for your weighted blanket. again I think you have to like inhale art to exhale art so my big thing is that I make sure that I am enjoying the things that I'm watching or reading and it doesn't have to be in the genre I write or do anything in I try to enjoy the little things that I know will help me feel better and that for me is I take my dog for a walk I might listen to music. I listen to music all the time, actually. I bake. I do yoga. I do things that will help me kind of switch that off and make me feel good. As much as I love writing and I do love writing, it's not always the most fun experience. Sometimes, and especially when you're under contract and you feel like, oh, I have a deadline and I have to get this done, done, done. You lose that joy a little bit and you feel like I'm never going to get this done. I am a mess. (laughs) I can't do this. But I think when you can take little breaks and you can refill that well, that helps a lot. That's my, that's my big tip. I also sometimes, if I'm not feeling a story, I don't write the story. And that doesn't always work, especially if you're under contract for that story. But if I'm writing a book, I write the first three chapters 
of it and I will know if it's going to work or not. And then I'll write an outline and then I'll just continue drafting. And that's how I find my joy in it. But I really have made it a point that I do not write anything that I don't like. And I think that's the best advice I have that has ever worked for me is because when you don't like something, you're not putting that positivity into it. You're not putting your joy into it. You're not putting all this good stuff into it. You're doing it to get it done. Sometimes I feel like when you're writing your books, that joy you felt when you were writing it comes through in the page. And I, I don't know if I can, I can just push myself to write something I don't like. I've pushed myself to write things that I found really challenging. The last book I wrote, which was A Song of Salvation, which comes out next year, was the most challenging book I've ever written, but I did it and I still loved it really enjoy what you're going to do, especially when it comes to the story, because you're not going to read it once or twice or even three times. You can be reading it 12, 15, 20 times, and you have to love it because otherwise, is it worth the mental, you know, (laughs) the mental struggles you're going to have pushing yourself through it? Is it worth it? And I know for me, it's not. And it goes back to your other piece of advice to do things that make you feel good. And I think for a lot of us, especially those of us who struggle with mental health issues, joy and pleasure, those are things that you have to intentionally create in your life in order to experience them. And same with your work. If you aren't feeling that joy, that passion, getting that pleasure from whatever story that you're working on. It could just be a bad day, right? But it also could be something deeper to indicate that maybe you're not really following your gut or not really telling the story that you should be telling at that moment in time. And it's okay to stop. It's okay to hit pause. It's okay to take a moment to try to reconnect with who you are as a writer and the kinds of stories that you want to tell. I think for a lot of authors and writers, we put all this pressure on ourselves to to be doing the next best thing. There's no time to quit. There's no time to stop. We have to keep working, working, working all the time. And that's just not sustainable. It's not sustainable. I'm not sure it brings a lot of joy. I think you have to really put up those barriers and make those boundaries in your mind. This is not an industry that rewards a constant, constant, constant working. And we can tell that by how, how many editors have just left recently, you know? We can tell that by how many agents are burned out. We can tell that by how many authors are burning out. It's not worth it. It's not going to be that big of a deal if you take a few weeks, if you take a few days, if you take a few hours just to step away and refill yourself and feel good about yourself and feel good about what you're doing. There are no industry safeguards. Those are boundaries that you have to learn how to set yourself. I have two books coming out this year. I have three books coming out next year. And so I can say from personal experience that being on that hustle, hustle, hustle mindset, it really does not leave very much room for you to relish things, for you to enjoy your hard work. And, you know, I did it mostly for financial reasons, but at the end of last year, I just hit a wall and none of the ideas in my queue interested me anymore. I didn't know what I wanted to write next. And so I just decided, you know what, I'm just not going to put out a young adult book in 2024. I can't. I need to take time to refill everything that I've lost. I need to take time to figure out what idea really excites me. And I'm not going to be able to do that by the deadline that I originally had in mind. I'm just not going to be able to do it in time to put out a book 
on the same production schedule as my last three ways. And so, you know, it can be really hard to make those decisions, but ultimately we do want sustainable careers in this industry and no one tells you how to do that. So it is a lot of figuring out what works and what doesn't. It's a lot of trying this, making mistakes, failing, getting back up again. But at a certain point, you just have to be willing to put yourself first. Having your name on so many different books is great, but it also is a responsibility and it's an expectation. And sometimes you don't need that. I had one book in 2020, one book in 2022. Next year, I have two books. I think the year after I have two. And that's really cool. But promo is a lot. It's so much. And and that's sort of what I meant about not having time to relish things because I just put a book out a couple of weeks ago and I have another book out in September and it's like the young adult is out. So now I have to forget about it and completely switch gears to promoting this middle grade that comes out in September. Like there's just no time to enjoy. Like the fact that I just released a book, you know, it's, it's on to the next, on to the next. I think it's the idea that, you know, having your name on all these things means that you're going to stay relevant and that people are going to think very favorably of you as an author. But again, it's not sustainable. I don't believe anyone out there is capable of putting out three books a year, every year for the next 10 years. How do you think you've changed or grown or adapted as a writer and as a creative over the course of the past few years, considering how difficult they've been for everyone. Have you been able to take away anything of value from these experiences that have changed the way you see the work or maybe even the way that you execute that work? My definition of success has changed. For a long time, I thought success meant having the six-figure deals, being everywhere, doing everything. But then I didn't really take into account my own personality, my own mental illness, my own disability. I didn't really take those things into account and what I'm doing and why I do the things I do. And it also reflects on and how I work and what my stories are about. I always feature, you know, fat, queer, disabled, mentally, um, mental illness in stories. And those aren't the, like the big, heavy hitting commercial successes, you know, that are getting Netflix adaptations, things like this. I don't think I'm in that space where I'm writing those kind of things. And that's okay because I'm writing what I like writing. But a few years ago, I might've been like, well, how do I write what is making the big money? And, you know, people really love, how do I get to that point? And now I'm at a place where I'm, okay, how cool is it that I get to write what I enjoy writing and that, you know, there's somebody who out there who will read it and feel like they're seen and feel good about themselves. But I have lowered my expectations in a lot of ways. And that's not a bad thing. That's actually a great thing. I think at one point when I started off, a lot of my friends were like people who sold on sub in like two days or two hours or two weeks. And I was not doing that. And it caused so much anguish for me. But now I don't even think about it. It's not in my brain. If I go on sub, it happens when it happens or it doesn't happen. All I can do is write the book that makes me happy and hope somebody else finds it and enjoys it. I hope that writers listening, wherever they are in their publishing journey, whether they're agented, whether they're a debut, understands that this is also part of the process. Like this is very much a journey of self-discovery 
as much as it is a creative one. So many of the expectations that I had of myself early on in my career, so many of the things I dreamed about doing, I've realized, like I mentioned before, that I'm not actually physically or mentally capable of doing those things. And it's actually such a relief to come to terms with that because now it means that I get to create a career and a creative legacy that is more in line with who I am and and who I want to be in the world. Last question, what would you say to artists who are struggling? to create. Maybe they're dealing with, you know, feeling the pressure of those expectations while also dealing with their own physical and mental health struggles. What would you say to them? Take care of yourself before you try to do all these other things that aren't as important. You are the most important part of everything. No one can tell the story the way you tell it, but you can't tell the story if you're not feeling well, if you're not taking care of yourself. And you have to really evaluate what it means to take care of yourself. I'm not talking about, you know, taking a long bath. It's really about learning who you are and what's going to make you feel better. What's going to make you feel good. Don't try to be another author whose books you admire. Don't try to write a certain way because you saw somebody else do it, but it's not your style. You find yourself, just like you said, and you accept yourself. You have to be in a good place to do this and being into in a good place. That's the work. Thank you so much for talking to me today and sharing all of your wisdom and advice. Thank you for having me. I really, really appreciate it. This is amazing. If you'd like to learn more about Alicia or her books, please visit her website at aliciadow.com or find her on social media at Alicia Writes on Twitter and Alicia Dow on Instagram. Also, be sure to buy her books, The Sound of Stars and The Kindred, both published by Inkyard Press at your local indie bookstore. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also sign up for the Author Pep Talks newsletter to have weekly pep talks delivered straight to your inbox. And if you like the music featured, please check out my website, lakeinsayakemp.com music to find more information about the instrumental soundtrack for my debut novel, Somewhere Between Bitter and Sweet, composed and performed by J.D. Morales. Thanks for listening.